Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Today we have a panelist who is a very esteemed representative. Uh, Brass Smith is a state representative of Iowa House District 62 and an Iowa candidate for governor. Uh, Representative Brass Smith represents Iowa House District 62, which includes Waterloo, Elk Run Heights, Evansdale, and Raymond. Smith, a Waterloo native, is the son of Elsie and the Reverend Belinda Crichton Smith. Out of session, Smith is uh, not busy enough, I guess, so he is now an Iowa consultant for the nonprofit organization Communities and Schools. In his role, Smith works to raise awareness about dropout prevention services with the Cedar Valley area and across the state. Smith is active in his local community, volunteering his talents to better the area. He has been a youth mentor participated in faith-based outreach, and served as a volunteer football coach for East High School. Smith graduated from the University of Northern Iowa with a bachelor's degree in exercise science and as a master's degree in youth and human services. Smith lives in Waterloo with his wife, Amelia, and their two daughters, Maria and Samara, and they attend Faith Temple Baptist Church. He is currently a candidate for governor of Iowa. You know, it is, uh, you know, when I was reading through this, Ras, I'm looking at this going like, when do you sleep? <laughs> so, so representative jobs, not enough, huh? <laughs> we we, we got to stay busy. It's, it's a blessing to be busy. So I, I uh, you know, we've we, we got to stay serving the community. I, I appreciate being on. I'm so excited to be here chatting with you all about ways that we can improve our, our not only the state, but our, our country for veterans and those who've dedicated themselves to service. Oh, fantastic. Thank you. You know, so, you know, uh, Representative Senator Smith, uh, Iowa's tagline is fields of opportunities. Uh, but like a lot of Midwestern states, the last few years have been uh, tough for people, you know, to find employment, you know, uh, that can uh, that you can make a living at because there, there are a lot of uh, low-wage jobs that are out there. But is, there, is this the same, same true for Iowa, particularly when it comes to veterans finding work? Do you see that there is a, you know, a challenge there as far as employment? Oh, 100%. I think, you know, first and foremost, when, when we look at specifically our veterans, um, I, I want to say roughly about 30% of employed veterans with a service-connected disability um, work in the public sector. And, and in Iowa, we, what we've seen is we've done a couple of things. But one, we've made it difficult for public sector employees to collectively bargain. But we've also privatized our health care system. And so when we have veterans who are connected with right, or, or, or have a service-related disability, when we privatize our, our health care system here, it's really put into place a lot of roadblocks that allow these individuals to get the, the, the vital services that are necessary to get to work. Um, sometimes it's just some support to get out of the bed in the morning, and once you get into whatever your, uh, you know, your, your assisted technology may be, folks can are really empowered to do it themselves. And, and that's what we need to be in, you know, incentivizing and nurturing. But um, with our 
privatized healthcare system has really been difficult uh, for folks to contribute the way that they want to. And so I think there's a lot we can do to, to really improve these things, but it starts with wages. And it starts with just the basics of taking care of folks. Oh, fantastic. Wow. You know, and, and that, that really answers the question. And, you know, and one of the things, you know, with the pandemic now, you know, Iowa is one of the states that uh, has rejected federal aid to bolster unemployment benefits. So how is that hurting veterans in your state, if you think that it is? Well, I, I think it's, it's hurting veterans the same way that we, we see it hurting a lot of other folks across the state. It's, um, it's taking gas out of the, out of the gas tank. It's, it's taking food off the table, but it's also made it more difficult to pay our bills. And as of tomorrow, we know that the eviction moratorium was lifted. And so veterans are, are, are typically more susceptible to homelessness. And this is going to be one of those times where we're seeing unseasonably warm weather. Um, our, our cooling shelters across the state of Iowa are disproportionately filled with veterans, just like in any other country or any, any other state. And so we have to make sure that we're addressing these issues. And so when, when we roll back that, that federal aid that was meant to just help people get by, just get to that next paycheck, mm-hmm. um, we, we've really done a, a disservice. And, and we're not standing up for people in the way that, that, we, that we can. And, and so that's disappointing, um, especially when it has a disproportionate impact on those folks who, you know, are, have taken – some of the, the, the most difficult oaths to, to go and serve their country, whether it be a combat veteran or those people who went through the basic training and now are bringing those skills back to their communities. We've got to support those folks the way they supported us. Yeah, that's, you know, absolutely, Representative Smith, you know, because one of the things that as you were talking, you, you were painting such an incredible picture, and it made me start really thinking is that, you know, uh, with the, you know, the lifting of the uh, moratorium on, uh, people being evicted and, and those sorts of things, it, it can actually set the clock back, especially if you haven't accepted this uh, federal funding uh, to help veterans, uh, and that, uh, you know, people have been working very hard to get many of our homeless veterans off the street. We have, you know, a homeless veterans group that comes on, uh, uh, you know, pretty regularly, and, and, you know, an agency that's trying to help people being placed and get jobs. And, with the veterans, uh, this could roll back all the efforts of the VA. This could roll back the efforts yeah. of, you know, community-based organizations and veterans groups, the VFW, um, and the American Legion. All of them have some uh, some work uh, involvement in trying to help veterans who are in that situation. So this could add to the uh, growing population of homeless veterans potentially um, and set back all yeah, the work we've been doing. So, yeah, I'm glad you're bringing uh, a light to this issue. Uh, well, I, I, I think, you know, and, and we have to be mindful about states like, like Iowa and Illinois and, and the Midwestern states as a whole where we have some of these rural pockets. I, I'm in Fairbank, Iowa right now. So this is a, a small town, uh, a more rural town, roughly about 25 miles northeast of Waterloo. And I'm, I'm here celebrating my, my, my wife's father and my, my wife's grandfather's, but they're, to me, they're my grandparents as well. Um, their 70th wedding anniversary. Wow. Uh, he's, he's a Korean War veteran. <laughs> 70th wedding anniversary unbelievable right i'm thinking that, that, that that's a that's a blessing in itself he's a korean war veteran um served in world wars and was able to come back to fairbank a small rural town become a teacher here for you know 30 plus years be the mayor for 30 plus years and still live here but that opportunity for veterans doesn't exist anymore um in iowa they don't get to come back to their to their small rural towns and start their own business or really get into the classroom because we're closing rural schools. The job opportunities aren't here. Um, they, they can't even, in a lot of our rural communities, start a family because we don't offer labor and delivery services anymore. 
Um, I know when my mom, you know, came back and, and she, my mom is a former military police officer. Uh, you know, she was able to go into the, the work being a substance abuse counselor, seeing the impact um, that that her peers who were combat veterans, unlike her, were going through and wanted to do something about that. And so we have to make sure that we are focusing ourselves on taking care of people, prioritizing people and those basic needs. And when we do that, people will be great. People will be empowered to be great. But it starts with taking care of folks first. Wow. Do, do, do you want to say the name of your uh, grandfather and, you know, uh, and his wife? That's 70 years. Yes. People 70 don't years. even live 70 years, never mind be married for 70 <laughs> <I know>. years. <laughs> Morris and Wilma Wells, uh, great people. Uh, I mean, he's. It, it, it's unbelievable the, the, the work that, that I've seen them do. And for me to have that example as an elected official of someone who's dedicated themselves, their lives to this nation and their community, it, it, I'm always in awe. And I can tell you, he's, he's probably right now, as they're packing up chairs and tables, he's probably got three or four chairs in each hand out showing some of the young guys. Cause that's just who he is. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've heard about those uh, stories about people climbing trees when they're 90 and all that. <laughs> I, I couldn't climb a tree when I was 40. So, <laughs> But, yeah, so that's fantastic. Uh, you know, so uh, what about this thing? We also have this another issue because everyone is so uh, locked away right now. I always say I hate to use the term social distancing, you know, during the pandemic. It's really physical yeah. distancing, six to eight feet. But social distancing implies, you know, abandonment, social abandonment, isolation, disconnection. But the mental health care is really, of course, a really critical to ensuring veterans have the tools they need to stay, you know, healthy overall. So, um, you know, including being healthy enough to find regular employment. So how does, you know, Iowa's access to um, health care help or harm veterans? Well, I, we, we haven't done a good enough job of making it accessible. Uh, we have so many people in our state who have to send their loved ones out of the state of Iowa to receive the care that they so need. And, and to me, it's unacceptable because when, when we understand trauma, um, you know, I, I've spent some time working in our public school district and providing, you know, trauma-informed care to students and, and understanding that when we want to build a strong foundation of mental and brain health in our state, it starts with early intervention, not waiting to react. And so we can build in resilience to our young people starting at an early age by addressing the impacts of homelessness, of poverty, um, of trauma in the home, to build resilience so that when, when they do, if they decide to, to serve in our armed forces, when they go maybe overseas or go through basic training or, and, and by default maybe deal with some traumatic experiences, they're more adapted to deal with that. But then we also have to make sure we have those services in place that no matter where you live in the state of Iowa, no matter where you live in the Midwest, you can get the care you need. You can go to a physician and get a physical. We need to make brain health and mental health just as available, but also get rid of the stigma. Um, and, and during COVID, we've really seen this, this uh, a light shone brighter on this issue because folks have, as you said, gone through physical, but also maybe some parts of that social distancing that has had an impact on them. And, and right, our, our social support groups weren't meeting as regularly. Uh, those folks who may be going to veterans groups and talking about those shared experiences were forced to do so via Internet. And if you live in rural Iowa, you may not have had access to Wi-Fi to even do that. And so we're finding so many of our veterans right now getting their treatment for brain health and mental health in our criminal justice system, and that's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so 
they, they find themselves there and the very rights that they fought for, they're losing the right to vote if you become a felon in the state of Iowa. They're, they're losing the, their ability to hold certain jobs. And so I tried my best to re- remove some of those barriers. Um, I traveled across the state last year bringing awareness to an executive order that uh, we were able to put some pressure on the governor to sign regarding restoring the right of felons to vote, um, the need for better health care, the need to provide better work opportunities for veterans who come out of the armed services with so many skills. But if you don't have a, a, a job sector in your community that allows you to apply those skills, you're left searching. And we, we can do better if we take care of our veterans, if we take care of our young people, we take care of everybody. Fantastic. You know, what, what, what other services do you think or resources do you think are needed, you know, to help the, uh, help the veterans? Well, I, I think for, we, we need mental health courts. We need veterans courts. Mm-hmm. We, we need to make sure that our, our, our health care system in the state of Iowa is one that's no longer geared towards making money off people with long-term disabilities. That's not right. That's not, that's not a value that, that, that we should uphold. And it's not an effective model when providing care to folks. Um, when we have veterans who come back with chronic issues, you can't make money off of that. And it shouldn't be the goal to make money. The goal should be to empower people to live the highest quality life as possible and for government to be uh, a partner in success, not a barrier to success. I also think that we need to make sure that no matter what corner of the state you live in, you have access to mental health, whether that be through telehealth, and we got to do some things about our broadband infrastructure, or to mental health professionals, brain health professionals that live in your community that are tethered to your community to make sure that you have the holistic support that's needed for the outcomes that we know people so truly deserve. And then lastly, create communities where folks feel welcome. Our veterans have the privilege of having some of the most diverse and vast experiences that some of us never get to see. And when they want to come back to a community that that reflects maybe their, 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 their experiences in the Army where they had friends and, and comrades who they were in, you know, these situations with that may speak a different language, have a different background. They, they want to live around those communities still. And we're not providing opportunities for communities that feel welcoming because of some of the political rhetoric. And we've got to be above that. We've got to be better than that. Um, people before politics always. And I think those are a few ways that we get there. I'm excited uh, to be helping and, and moving the ball forward any way that I can. Oh, fantastic. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really um... – you, you you have my energy level way up. <laughs> I just feel <laughs> you, you're doing such great work, um, and you know, and you know, with your consultant work for the uh, nonprofit organization, you know, uh, communities and schools. You know, many of these children that you're helping, uh, many of the communities that you're uh, helping with the you know um, dropout prevention services. You know, this some of these kids may be the, the kid children of veterans. You know, uh, yeah. that are out there. And I, I just think that this is such a very positive, strong movement to build a community. And, and your background, so how, how's your background playing into this? Because I know you, you have a degree in exercise science and a master's in youth and human services, which I think are, you know, prerequisites, I think, in order to take care of people. And the people I trust in, in, in uh, political power would have to have an understanding of those kinds of disciplines. Yeah. Well, I think for me, I come from a, a perspective of direct service. Um, you know, when, when you're providing direct service to folks, one, it, it doesn't always pay well, but that's not what it's about. It's about the people. And then, as you know, as, as I've been able to work and kind of gain some more senior level leadership with my organization, you go from understanding how you're directly connected to people to how your programming works on a holistic level and where the gaps are. And I, what I found over and over again was that 
we were just reacting to issues. We were never in a position to be preventative. We're never on offense. And so when you're always trying to react, one, it costs dollars. Um, it's more expensive to react to a problem than to prevent it from happening in the first place. I think secondly, um, you know, my, my work has been able to be a little more broad. Uh, you know, my in-laws have a, a small farm out in, out in Grundy County, just west of Waterloo. And, you know, for the past decade or so, I've been able to be a partner in that. And so I've seen how folks live in rural Iowa. And, and I've seen my, you know, my mother-in-law work at the local convenience store for almost 20 years and never make more than 17 bucks an hour and know that you can't really build a lifestyle or a family off of that. And, and so taking that to the next level, running for governor, is all, it's, it's about finding solutions to our common struggles, um, tearing down these walls of partisanship, and really focusing on allowing people to come, out, come as they are. I don't care you know, if, if, if you can vote. I don't care who you voted for. Um, I don't care how you identify or what your first language is. But I do care that you come ready to work, ready to lace up those boots and get to work at building a place that all people can feel valued and contribute. That's got to be our mission going forward our allegiance first to each other as human beings, all that other stuff will take care of itself. That is, that's fantastic viewpoint. I, I, I love that, you know, and, and it sounds like, uh, so, uh, so ultimately Iowa is a place that can be a good home for veterans. That's what it sounds like you're saying. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I truly believe that we, we, historically we, we've, we've been so much better than we are. I mean, we're, we're a state that, you know, we have Fort Des Moines where we train black soldiers before the world war. Uh, we have places, you know, like our, our at school of education, where we prioritize women in education. Uh, we desegregated schools in Iowa before the federal government. All those are significant milestones, and and when we were able to lead our nation, and so we can do that again. I truly believe it, and our goal is, is, is beyond a campaign, but um, a mission of my work is to be create communities that are radically inclusive, um, allowing people to come however they are and contribute. And so, um, if folks want to find out more about our work. They can always feel free to go to rossforiowa.com. Uh, we're at Ross for Iowa on all social media. That's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And, and you know, my family story from Morris and Wilma Welsh to my mom, you know, who was a military <laughs> police officer, th- th- that is the story of Iowa. And it's a beautiful story. And I, I'm, I'm so excited to collectively write the best chapters in that with, with folks in our, in our state. Okay. Do you want to give that website again? Yeah. We're at Ross, and that's R-A-S, for Iowa.com. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, you know, but, you know, one, one of the things that we've been uh, talking about that is really uh, interesting is that you uh, seem to be really uh, intimately involved in the community, and I, I have to say that's a fantastic, positive thing. So I just wanted to say your grandfather, Morris and Wilma Wells, happy 70th wedding anniversary. He was a, a, vet, a combat veteran in Korean War. And then also for your mom, who was in the uh, former military police officers as well. So yeah. you you are so you are deep in, in, into this military family thing. So you're part of our family. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, uh, it's, it's it's always been something that my family has held in, in high regard, and and the opportunity that it's provided. Um, understanding that the, the, the sacrifices that have been made by so many for for me to be. You know, the, the, the son of someone, you know, my dad was born on a sharecropping plantation in 1950. Um, and for my mom to be someone who was a military police officer, both, right, uh, proud black folks, you know, m- moving up the, 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 the ladder of not just success, but through community engagement, uh, through hard work, through showing that we can be better than this and we can do the hard work to, to, to pull ourselves and our community up. That's a beautiful thing. And, and then to, to see 
you know, my, my grandparents celebrating 70 years, that's collectively who we are. Yeah. Um, those are the things that tether us together and that make us great. And that's what we should be focusing on. And so um, I'm just proud to be a part of it. Um, I'm proud to be, you know, this is my role in the collective. And so we all have a lane. I'm trying to do the best I can in mine. And, and uh, that's the way that my mom great. brought us up. And uh, she holds pretty true that. And a military okay. police officer forever, I can tell you that. Yeah, I used to be a, the director of the Illinois Department of Public Health, but one of the legislators asked me one time, you know, so why did you join this? And I said three words, and he said, what are those? I said, they're above your chamber, we the people. It sounds like you're one of these yeah. people that's for we the people, and I really appreciate uh-huh. that. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.